guys. How's it going? Welcome to the Shoes with Biscuit podcast. I'm Alex Whiteley, and today we're coming to you from Penguin Books uh, up on Fish Street, an amazing place. If you've never been there, why not? It's a great independent bookstore. Um, obviously, it's been uh, hindered by the uh, the closing of the road over the last uh, year or so because of the uh, the crash upon Bear Steps there. But it's open now. You can come walking up here uh, to, to look at uh, books. Uh, and uh, thank you, Susan, for letting us do this. She may pop in later. She's just nipped out for some breakfast. Uh, if she comes back in, she's, there's a mic set up for her if she wants to. But today, I'm, I'm, I'm wow, that's weird how that does that. Today, I'm speaking to uh, Violet Fenn, um, who, I, I don't know, I think somebody must have um, introduced me to you and said that she should speak to you. But I, I, I just, I remember finding you learning about you and thought I definitely need to get this person on the biscuit <laughs> because I find you intriguing. I think you're fantastic. Uh, you're an accomplished author and um, uh, an article writer for newspapers for the for the Metro, right? So. I used to be, yeah. Um, I'm blushing now. All these people usually say I'm intimidating. So this is a definite improvement. Um, I used to be. I did three years for Metro. Um, yeah. I haven't written for them for a long time just because other stuff took over. Um, and I got in to Metro purely because a friend was already writing for them and she said, oh, I think you'll like my m- m- mate's work. And I did a couple of sample pieces and they very rapidly realised that I would write about anything. Yeah. I'm going to take pictures. I always do this. I was like, start talking about your life and I'm going to t- take pictures while you're and, doing yeah, it. Yeah, I'm just going to take pictures. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, we need one of the two of us sitting here because uh, what people won't be able to see is that we look like we're presenting Pop World. Yeah, I was, you saying uh, I, I can be Simon Amstel. And I can be Mikita Oliver. <laughs> yeah. Hi, guys, and welcome to T4. Today we're speaking to Jedward. <laughs> we're going to be the scourge of Shrewsbury. Jedward once told me I was super magical. I saw that on your website. They slid into my DMs in the middle of the night to tell me I was super magical. That was a good day. Does, do you reckon one of them was just reading your book? Do you reckon they were like cross-legged? Arms down, reading the book together. On a, you know, what I mean, uh, I think they were probably just trawling Twitter, and they were bored, and somebody was drunk at two in the morning. <laughs> one of them, I d- but they write as if they're the same person. It's really weird. Yeah, we are one. We are. <laughs> they are an amorphous lump, bless them. But yeah, they're my babes. I love them. So yeah, of course, I put it on my website. Um, okay, so let's get a, let's get a history of you then. How you became you? Because I, I, I like this. Uh, where, where are you when from? I met my dad. <laughs> when a man loves a woman. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> um, where do you begin? Where do you begin? Shrewsbury. Shrewsbury, born and bred. Yeah, yeah, yeah up the shrews. Um, and it's Shrewsbury, not Shrewsbury. Let's start that now. Let's just do that. <laughs> There's no R in it, even. It's Shrewsbury. Um, Nigel yeah. Baker will have you uh, believe it's Scruggersburg, actually. There's, well, it, it could be, but there's two versions of that. There's two, there's two origins for the name. So Shrewsbury and Shrewsbury are technically correct. They both come from the, from similar but different etymology. So there's a random fact for the day. Um, no, Shrewsbury, born and bred. Um, always lived here. Always lived here. Um, and I went through the teenage phase of hating it because everyone does because it's a very pretty town that, you know, when you're a teenager, it doesn't seem to have a lot. And then you get a bit older and you realise, actually, this is amazing. I've been so lucky to, to have been born and bred here. Um, so you, you sort of hit your 40s and think, actually, no, I'm staying. Um so, yeah, and I've just always written. I've always written. Um, I did years as a barmaid in town, so got, and I loved it as, really as much for seeing people as anything else. And I worked in the Nags Head in the Yorkshire House, so you see everything in those pubs. Did years in, the, in both of those. And um, started writing, actually, oh, gosh, all the way through my life. I've always written stories as a kid. Then when I was in my early 20s, I did a bit of a fanzine for bands in town, um, and just it, that was in the days of literally cutting out bits of paper and sticking it on and photocopying it down at copyright or whatever. Um, and, and always loved it. And then had kids, went to university, got the most expensively pointless certificate because I did applied arts and I've never used it. Um, <laughs> and started writing again. Started writing again. I got into fan fiction because that became a big mm. thing. Uh, and, and just... I, I have this love-hate relationship with Twilight. Anyone that knows me knows this. I love it despite all its flaws. It's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. I, 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 I like. I, no, I, I can definitely relate to that. I'm a big Kevin Smith fan. Uh, so the stuff he, the movies he makes are g- generally terrible, but I love them because they're made by Kevin Smith. <laughs> but that, that's it. That's the difference, of, isn't it? They're terrible movies. Whereas Twilight was made very glossily, but the morals and the ethics are awful. Yeah. You know, it's abusive gaslighting terribleness. Um, and if anyone is out for some entertainment, there is a group on Facebook called Twilight Sewer Posting. 
<laughs> full of the rats. We're all the rats. Um, full of people that love and hate it in equal measure and they're rabid in the fandom and they slag it something terrible. It's worth an hour of any, anyone's entertainment. Um, so I started doing fanfic based on that just as practice, really, just as entertaining. And, and it was on fanfiction.net for a while and got popular. And then... Um, I was trying to think how I got into it. I actually then got approached by a publisher who was trying to ride the bandwagon of Fifty Shades of Grey. Okay. And asked if I could basically write erotica to order. And I thought, right, I can do this. A lot of people did that, didn't they? <laughs> a lot of people did it. And and I was quite successful. There's no money in it because everybody was doing it at the same time. So there was hardly any money. It kept me in hand. What kind of bit. demographic does that get? Does that get the, the, the at-home moms that have a giggle at this? That is great. I can relate to it. Or is it the seedy guys? Oh, I really like it. You know what? It's a little bit of both, I think. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's always the seedy guys that end up in your DMs. Put it that way. Never the nice moms. Um I think a lot of people read it for fun and for refreshing stuff because Fifty Shades was terrible. I once live tweeted watching the film and, and that's a couple of hours of my life I will never get back. <laughs> um, I was just agog at the awfulness. Um, so, yeah, I, no, I did all right. I had a couple of, uh, they were just short stories, but I had a couple of UK number ones, went top 10 in the States a couple of times, but still made no money, which just shows how flooded the market was at the time. Yes. But realised I could write stories. Um, and then, but from that, I then went to factual stuff because that was when Metro came in. And I did, as I said, I did a couple of sample pieces from there. They rapidly realised I've got no filters. Yeah. And would write better because, because, for those who don't know, I'm autistic. I found out when I was 46, whole lot of no Sherlock of everybody around me when they found that one out. Um, and that's possibly why I have no filters and believe everything should be talked about. But I do think that's common sense anyway. Yes. Um, so I ended up writing, as you have discovered, some very niche articles for Metro. Yeah, and I was ex I was quite shocked by it in a way because um, obviously you you you're an author of books that kind of lean towards like obviously there's the, the vampire book the yeah. uh, the history of vampires and, and popular culture. There, the vampires are interesting because they they kind of lean to the the sexy thing that vampires tend to be, whether it's being the suave or the the uh, I don't know the the. Uh, vampire diaries type stuff like you've been seeing recently or there's the secrets and scandals of in regency britain sex and sexuality in victorian britain and that is like a great observation of people i love that um it's all about people yes. and that goes back to me working in bars to right there it's people and um i was like okay let's look at the articles now because i do my research this morning i do i do do my research guys. <laughs> uh, and i was like okay this is all going to be uh, about about this is that's what this is going to but it wasn't it's actually really wonderful articles and there was one article that i really actually there was two articles i really i just i just really gelled with um and it was uh how to tackle social situations when you have anxiety now i was in work the other night and I was thinking, I talk about my social anxiety way too much on the Shoes with Biscuit. It's either going to push people away from the show or draw people in, but I do talk about my social anxiety because this is fine for me. Mm. Last night, I went to um, a meet. I'm starting with Intune Radio, which is uh, going to be a new Shropshire uh, radio station, which is all community-based, which is what I love, which is why I'm going to oh, be wow. part of that. Um, and we went met at the boathouse, load of us. And my social anxiety was like, whoop, 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 whoop. Mm. so what I did is I went in and I completely overprojected. I was too loud. I was rambling, being provocative with what I was saying. And oh, then toward, the same person. Yeah. And towards the end of the night, I was withdrawn in the corner, kind of like, I don't want to put into the conversation. <laughs> yeah, That was me. And that, that article that you wrote really spoke to me. And then there was another one as well. Um, how to, oh, was it, which one was it? Uh, oh, I didn't write the note for it. But yeah, I, there was lots there that I found really helpful. Well, things like that, I noticed because I'm diagnosed with generalised anxiety disorder mm -hmm. um, and have been for a long, long time. It was the lists one, the one about making lists. That's, that's, Executive that's, dysfunction? Yes, that's the one. That that's the one. Right. So these all tie in and they're a really common thing for everyone to have together. Um, I, as I said, I'm autistic. And when I got diagnosed, the consultant that did it said he strongly believed that my anxiety came from being an undiagnosed autistic. I'm also going for assessment for ADD because I've been told by every hmm. official ever that that's what I've got. And they all tend to go together. Um what people don't realise is, yeah, it's all right saying everyone gets anxious, but if you feel like that, you know that it's a different thing to what other people think of anxiety. Yeah. Mm. I used to work um, with a friend at Leeds Festival every every bank holiday. And, um, and there's a lady trying to get into the shop even though it's closed. 
Um, come back in a minute, darling. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Susan's gone for breakfast. We're, we're in a locked up shop, Susan's yes, gone to get a breakfast. Yes, I think they can see us in the window, that's why they think it's open. Yeah, they think they're, they're in for a TV pod show here, don't they? Um, yeah, so... I used to work, um, I did five years with a, working for a friend of mine, Sam Cleesby, she's amazing, um, doing uh, Leeds Music Festival. Now, Sam worked backstage behind the main stage doing massage therapy for all the main stage bands. So we oh, met wow. everybody. I've, I've lent, lent eyeliner to indie bands. I've, you know, had a cup of tea with Josh Harm. We've done everything over the years. We nearly I love hit, Josh Harm. We nearly hit Dave Grohl with a plank of two before, and it was, it's a very long story, but he was very sweet about it. He's a lovely guy. He yeah. let me stroke his hair, so that, that's good. Uh, you know, Jack, <laughs> Jack Black was one of my favourites. Loads. We've met loads of people. So... But we did this for years and we both said, and, and Sam's not diagnosed autistic, although she has um, issues of her own. Um, but it was weird because you have three days where we had to be absolutely, you know, on it and cool and not shriek at people, you know, while you're sitting and having a cup of tea with Jarvis Cocker, which that was a difficult one. And um, <laughs> actually Johnny Marr, Johnny Marr was the only person I've really struggled not to just go and lick his face or something because he was amazing. <laughs> um, but they were just hanging out and we were just mates but and we coped. But then we both realised that well, literally a week afterwards, no people, just couldn't people, just couldn't do it for a week. And I think there is a limited thing, like you said, about going into things like that. You can do it. And I compensate like that. I, yeah. I'm loud, yeah. I, Larry, and the rest of it. And the rest of me is like this tiny mouse in the corner. It was, it was just weird. And it's, it's weird how you kind of you do the things you're not supposed to because you're thinking you're not supposed to do it like um i was like okay so i'm very transparent about what i'm doing i am doing the shoes for biscuit and i'm doing intune radio at the same time mm. i love that right it shouldn't affect things because i think radio and podcasts run parallel but i was like well, we should still probably not mention this alex in my head we should not talk about the biscuit so you went much. and said about it oh i did this with the shoes of biscuit i did that with the shoes of biscuit i did oh my god it was just nuts and i was like why are you doing this i went for a wee i was like don't mention the biscuit again. I went out and spoke about it instantly. It's yeah, just nuts. No, I do, no, I do that totally. And that's the thing, anxiety and things like that. When I, that executive dysfunction list, which for anyone that doesn't know, is a, is that inability to organise your life. You know, a lot of people with any neurodiverse issues find organisation very difficult and it can cause relationship issues, financial issues, all sorts. And usually it's the stress of trying to deal with it that causes anxiety and depression. Um, and one of the people I interviewed for that is a really, really high up um, consultant, medical consultant. And I know that he finds it impossible to do his notes, his whatever, but he just, he's got secretaries to do it and that's how he manages. So I learned that everybody learns to manage it a different way. I mean, I run by lists, everything. A list on my phone. This book is just literally lists. But I can't do the books because now I cleared my desk the other day and I got six different notebooks on my desk, all with bits of notes in and I couldn't remember which one I was using so now I have my iPhone and it has a checklist and every day there's a checklist yeah I was um, I was looking at my watch earlier I got a really old smart watch it was like one of the Huawei's first ones I was like it'd be great to have my task list yeah. on my watch it'd be like alright done that always done that. on you yeah because I have lots to do this weekend this weekend now I'm in the studio for two days solid so I have to organise everything so I don't mess up because all my work needs to be in Saturday night mm. as a deadline mm. um, so I can't deviate from that so I need to make a list. So I, this is what I've got to do. This is what I've got to do. This is what I've got to do. And you find quite often, though, if you do that, you'll then feel better because your brain can relax a little bit because your list is going to tell you. Yeah. You haven't got to hold that information in. Whiteboards, little whiteboards are fantastic. Yeah. I love that because you just delete it. Oh, it feels so good. It's amazing. Oh, I've been known to add things to my list just so I can cross them back off again. I've done something <laughs> extra because it makes me feel good. Yeah, it does, yeah. Um, when it comes to writing about taboos, I mean, like, first of all, uh, one of the questions I wrote here was, what has changed when it comes to taboos? Uh, I mean, you, you, you've written about Victorian sexuality and stuff. What has changed about the way we talk about these things? Or has much changed at all? I think the main thing that's changed is that we talk. Um, what I always say to people, and my sort of specialist era is sort of 1750, say 1910. So Re Georgian Regency, Vic Victorians, that, that sort of era. Um and often people think that not much like that really went on. There was occasional scandal, but not a lot went on because they were so prim and this. No, they weren't. They just couldn't write it down because they'd get into trouble. Yeah. That's all. The churches. The churches. Mm. The, the, the church must not know. Um, so, yeah, I think it's just the fact that we have the ability to be more open. And, the, well, this is, there's a caveat here. Obviously, the laws have changed. 
So when in Victorian times, there were a lot of these things that you couldn't talk about. I, I mean, homosexuality is the obvious one. Yes, of course. You yeah. couldn't talk about Still it. Still today. I mean, it's, it's, But then you could be hung. I mean, the last hangings for homosexuality was 1835. It was still a death sentence until the 1860s. We're both eyeing somebody in the window. He's having a good look at the book. <laughs> your book's in that window, so he's probably looking at your books. Oh, we, yeah, we should my have book's in the window. We should point at it like, da-da-da-da-da. <laughs> <laughs> Next on Pop World. Homosexuality, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So homosexuality um, was uh, punishable by a death sentence until the 1860s when it was... Um, changed to i think 10 years imprisonment transportation whatever um the last hangings were only 1865 uh, 1835 two chaps who had been um convicted on the say so of somebody who was peeking through a keyhole so we have to wonder what his you know motivations were um <laughs> the interesting fact and this is what i always shoehorn this into everything i talk about um that lesbianism has never been illegal it's nothing to do with queen victoria Everyone thinks it's because Queen Victoria couldn't believe that women would do that sort of thing. It is because the British government decided in their wisdom that to make it illegal would bring it to the attention of women who may then get ideas. Um, and they actually reiterated this decision as recently as 1921. It came back up um, as an act, a potential act of parliament in 1921. And the powers that be decided again that actually no women might get ideas because women obviously have no imagination if men don't oh, suggest no, it no, first no. No, they'd never have thought oh. that sort of thing so that's um the main motivation really um behind um the more openness of of taboo, talking about taboos and everything now is firstly the laws have changed we're allowed we're you know we, we everyone always did it they just were more careful about not being found out doing it yeah. and, and you've got massive cases like poor old oscar wilde you know who, who was broken because of it uh, after sheer venom and the cheering as well yeah all all of this you know save the world yeah, i know i know i know but he was gay so oh no <laughs> um you know this and this is the thing so so and that's only as recently as the 60s don't forget so um and also the internet because everybody's got a voice like you and your podcast you know mm -hmm. the, the, the advance of technology means that people can talk and they can get their yeah, voice out there but... sometimes that's not always a good thing but it well it is overall it's a good thing everybody should be allowed to say oh but everyone else and this is a big thing are entitled to not listen so that thing not everyone's entitled to a platform you're entitled to have a voice but you're not entitled to take a platform i was talking about this um on uh, i was on uh, matt connerton's show and this means nothing to you guys but uh, in, in new hampshire in america i was on his radio show and i was talking about freedom of speech and all the crazy stuff that's going on in america at the moment you know the the, the abortion rules that have been put in place in in florida it's just absurd completely absurd but then you've got all these uh, loudmouth alt-right people just telling people that they, the reason they're doing this is for Jesus and for no other reason. It's like, well, no, it's not. It's because you're horrible. <laughs> because you're horrible people. And that's the thing. They're entitled to think and say what they like. They're not entitled to force people to listen to it. Yeah. That's yeah. the massive difference. Um, and you got to think, I did write down here, the, I'll write random little things in there. The Greeks were so sexually ambiguous. I was like, I just wrote that. I thought, what's, what, what changed? Well, yeah. They were. They were, they were, they were you know. Uh, well, this is the thing. I mean, I did a series for Metro on historical sexuality, which is how I ended up doing the history books, because I, I, I'm really lucky in that I'd, I've usually been sort of spotted or poached for nearly everything I've done. And the publishers of my history books, one of their editors, saw one of my Metro articles. They, they'd... I had an amazing editor called Yvette and she asked me to do a series on historical sexuality and we started with the Romans and the Greeks and all this sort of stuff and um, they were amazing. You know, they, uh, some of what they did is appalling from what we would consider. Um, well, polyamorous relationships were normal for Greeks. Yeah, they? and and to be fair, I know people that do that sort of thing. These days it's become much more open and it, it really, really works for a lot of people. You know, it really works. It's not my bag, but it, it, I can to I've got friends who do it and, and thrive on it. So I totally get it. But uh, but these days that it does come with that bit of stigma. You have to feel like you've got to explain yourself mm, every time. Yeah. Whereas back then it was just normal. And, you know, and things like um, they go, oh, yes, but it was children, this, that and the other. And, yes, yeah, some of that is really, really awful now to to, to modernise but we have to remember as well that the age of consent changed over the centuries as well even in this country it was 13 until the 1800s um and only went up later later that century so and that doesn't mean that it was okay but people often got married had kids whatever very very young you know you had to in order to not die at your I think job 
to be in your forties was to be quite old back then. <laughs> it was, but the uh, that and that's another fallacy though that people think the life expectancy was really short, um, and it wasn't. Um, I'm doing my family tree at the moment, and most of mine are in their seventies when they die, oh. um, even back to the 1700s, and that's actually true. The the way they measure the Office of National Statistics have changed how they, how they measure things over the years. Because the there was a very high infant mortality rate, ah, okay. and that would skew all the other. It was bring life all the, yeah. the life expectancy down. So for a very long time now, um, infant mortality, which luck, luckily has gone way way down and doesn't wouldn't skew it so much now, but it's stuck. Um, anything under five was isn't counted in in the generalised average of the age range. So if you got past five you'd probably hit your 60s, 70s easily, but you had to get past five first. Mm, yeah. Interesting how things change. Um, and, and, and you know what? Like After, after you know, <laughs> thousands of years of civilization, you'd think we'd make progress, you know, but um, there's been a couple of things that have, have brought my eye. I'm not going to mention it, the name of it, but there was a shopping centre in Shrewsbury. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That'd be the only one we've got now, Alex. Uh, there, there, there is a place... <laughs> In Shrewsbury, I was recently I, I brought up uh, that some w- poor woman was pulled up about breastfeeding in in, in, the, in the shopping centre, which is absolutely fine. There's no, I, you know, when it comes to a nude male or a nude female, I don't see that as, I mean, it's not a sexual thing. Bodies are bodies, humans are humans. It's just a body. Um, and you know, when you when a woman is breastfeeding a child, it's the most natural thing. To, my 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 boy was was breastfed, and I, I was waiting for someone to mention it. When my, I was waiting, I was like, oh come on, someone say something, please. Yeah, but probably that's why they didn't. Because yeah, because I'm, I'm staring at them. <laughs> but it does happen. My with my eldest, I remember distinctly having to breastfeed in the toilets of the Riverside Centre, which the old Riverside Centre. So they were grim. You know, and and having to breastfeed in there because of the looks I was getting in one of the cafes. I mean, that's 25 years ago. And I'd have hoped and I'd assumed, because my kids are adult now, that it had changed, but clearly not. And that's appalling. I mean, as you know, I got barred from Facebook recently. Yes, yes, yes. Um, That was for showing what they just deemed to be inappropriate sexual content. And it was a full-bodied bloke, but he had his relevant bits covered up. Only, I mean, they were bandaged up. It was to show a really terrible full body tattoo. And that's why I'd repost it because the tattoo was hilarious. Um, (laughs) But I got banned from Facebook and I thought it was the bots, you know, automatically assuming it was still his bits on show sort of thing. And so I appealed it and got immediately informed that a human being had rechecked it and no, it was inappropriate. There was nothing sexual about that picture. No, no. No. You know, so no, we haven't changed. And, you know, and as America's shown, we're going backwards in a long way. Um, so Adidas, I'm going to find it on my phone. Um, Adidas um, have had an ad pulled over just, just this week. Mm. Um, and it's because they shared, uh, they showed bare boobs. Um, and it was to show why uh, women's women's sports bras. Um, let's find it. I'm going to show you boobs on my phone now. Um this is great radio, Al. I know, yeah. But you can't see it, but you can definitely Google it. You can definitely Google it, guys, and take a look. And you can... Show I'll, me show me Adidas boobies. Adidas boobies. Oh, where, where has it gone? Where has it gone? Don't tell me they've taken it off Google now. Uh, okay, so Adidas sports bra. Band ad. This is where editing's good. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> They've like blurred it all out and stuff now. Have they? Yeah. See, that's the thing though, isn't it? That even you can't even show me the picture because it's been blurred out because it's been deemed offensive to human eyes. I've got boobs, not being funny, not if anyone's noticed, but well, I'm an adult female with boobs. That's the that's the ad that they made. Um, it's basically showing that the women have different shapes of boobs. And well, that's an amazing advert. That's just really powerful, isn't it? I thought author. it was really brave. Powerful. It becomes irrelevant because it's a whole wall of boobs. Who's yeah. even noticed? It's um, was it Sam Pooley Stride that did the wallpaper? Yes, with the boobs on it. Absolutely amazing stuff. And we need more of this stuff. Um, <laughs> this is this is the thing with with recording. I in said the shop. to I said to Susan. I said like. Don't don't be quiet. Do your run your yeah, business yeah, yeah. in the background. No, no, we'll, we'll, yeah, yeah, no. It's Channel Four all over this, is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So art, when it comes to art, when it comes to human beings, it sounds like we're just like stumbling through this. But I don't mean to. I, I, I strongly I, I, feel that you know you shouldn't be doing this on Facebook. I think you end up stumbling a bit with it because it's so indig. I'm so indignant about it all. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So I get all sort of a bit speechless. Which, as anyone who knows me, will know this is a very rare occurrence. But it is really weird. Why are we so weird about? Sex and death, which are which are my sort of two topics, my specialist topics, and they can't, you know, they come together as as you said with things like vampires and stuff. But I think the reason people read that sort of stuff and 
and like things like the Adidas thing, but also get all a bit, you know, all matron about it, mm. is because they're the taboo subjects. But you can't get away from the fact that boobs exist, genitals exist. Yes. You know, sex and death exist. It, 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 and I think it's because it scares people. They've got no control. I think, obviously, there's a time and a place. I won't be, like, you know, helicoptering outside of school. You know, I would never do that. <laughs> I'll definitely get... stop that. Yeah, yeah well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you wouldn't do that, right? But that's where, it, you know, it comes to taste and, and, and sort of like... But an average sensible adult knows yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so when it comes to somebody breastfeeding in a shopping centre... In- Relax, people. Like this is, this is. I can't. I, honestly, I was so shocked when I heard that. I, I am just... really shocked. I mean, I know you told me about this just before we started recording, and and I was agog because I genuinely thought this is quite a reasonably liberal town these days. I know we don't get into politics, but the people in it are pretty cool and you know and you'd think the general population around here would be above that sort of thing like intellectually yeah, you'd think yeah. we'd know as a, yeah. as a as a general well obviously things seem to be i don't know why or how this has happened we seem to be going backwards with with things you know obviously with the, we just mentioned that the the, the the abortion laws in florida and stuff mm. why are we going backwards i don't understand it because i feel like i felt like a few years ago we made so many strides and being open about talking about sexuality and uh, and Unfortunately, it comes back to religion. And I, there's a caveat here. I've got some amazing Christian friends. They're brilliant. Yeah, you me know, too. Me too. Ge- genuinely, yeah, yeah. and I love them to bits. And they, they, and that's mostly because they believe what they believe. I absolutely don't. And we all agree to disagree on it. And it's absolutely fine. But there is, and it is usually the the, the right wing, particularly in America, that hijack it for their own things. And and my constant argument has always been that religion is the root of all evil. It's not the people. And I'm going to get you're going to get some comments about that, aren't you? Really sorry there. But it is, and it's not the people. It's not the people that follow it. And it, and and as I said, you know, I've got friends of all all denominations, um, and none at all. And they are generally brilliant people because I like people and I choose nice people to be around. So, so Alex had put his microphone on the chair at that point. Yeah, I, I muted it, and I was like, yeah, because because Susan's just joined us now. I said she might, and um, can you can you hear us? Okay. Is this thing on? on? Just switch it up. There's a switch. Just switch it up. There we oh, go. go there <laughs> <laughs> um, so we were talking about um, boobs. We're talking about boobs. <laughs> we're talking about boobs. Topic of the morning. And well, I was going to mention Sam Pilly Strides wallpaper. Yeah, yeah. Mine were on there. Were yours on there? No, because I found out about after. I don't even know it. about this. Are there people people's boobs on a wall somewhere? Well, no, no, no. She she did this project. It was um, it was in part for her degree, in part for. Um, a breast cancer charity. Okay. And so she just asked women if they would come along and have their boobs photographed, just their boobs. Um, I've got a piece of it somewhere, but I don't know. Yeah, it was made into wallpaper. It was made into wallpaper That's amazing. And pictures That's and everything. Amazing. But to be honest, I didn't, I couldn't find mine on, there were so many boobs and they weren't huge, you know, it was no, no. little sort yeah, of yeah. thumbnails. Yeah, little pictures. Oh, do you know what? Actually, I do remember this. I remember was, this now. They had an uh, exhibition at the... Um, the Coffee House, did yeah, she, didn't Yeah, she's the Coffee House. Yes, yeah. I remember. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Because there's been a few uh, amazing celebrations of, of, of femininity and, and, and the human body. Uh, Birgitta Zeltman did the grey hair thing a while ago as well. Yes, right? I was yeah. in that. I was yes. Well, actually, even before that, um, Paola Alessandra Grey did the same exhibit. She did yeah. a similar one. Did she? Of uh, women and their grey hair. What of which I was a large part, although it's not looking very grey this morning. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, I did Bagheetas. Yeah. But interestingly, you say all this, and we're going all oh, body positivity and women and this, that and the other. I think we'll reach actual level pegging when men can do it as well. Because it's still just a body, you know, it is still just, just a body. And everything oh, yeah. well, it's different. It's that wonderful um, bit in... One of my favourite movies, I know it gets slated, but Notting Hill, yeah. where Julia Roberts is asking, you know, they're just boobs. Every second person on the planet has them. Your mother has them. They're for feeding what babies. <laughs> what is so... Yeah, women have boobs, men, you know, men... Men have, have boobs. Men have genitals and boobs and all the rest of it. It's fine. We should be able to have male wallpaper. You know, it doesn't there matter. There have been projects done, but it's always... Um, <laughs> I'd need to go and serve Yeah, that's absolutely fine. You can put the mic down. It's fine. Don't worry. You, you can come back to us. Um, <laughs> I said to Susan, I like, you got, you're running a business. Don't stop running a business. I'll be hard, please don't. So she'll be back in a second. Um, yeah, I'm totally for it. I, I saw something really interesting on a, on a radio show a while ago. And it, it was talking about the abortion thing. And there's a guy going, he's talking about how um, 
after an abortion, uh, women might feel emotionally scarred for life. And, and another male uh, person rang up the show and was like, you can't speak on behalf of women. You can't do that. They can do that for themselves. They don't need your voice. And I was just kind of like, okay, where do we? Where do I stand on this? Because uh, it is an interesting theory. That and that's a difficult one, isn't it? And that's where a lot of arguments, and it's not just about the abortions as well, it's about a lot of things that yep. hurt women. Um, men find themselves in a really difficult position because... You can be an ally, but are you, by saying something, then uh, hijacking the women's cause? And women, uh, you know, I can speak, as everyone knows, I can very much speak for myself, and so can most people I know. But I think you, it, it, uh, every man can and should say, actually, I stand with them. I agree with them. Even if it's just to say, listen to them. They've got their own voice. And absolutely, there is... Of course, there's a, I really like men, you know, and, and, you know, not just on a romantic or professional level or whatever, just as people. We are people, and some of the nicest people I know are men. And we're, it is a, just a human thing. So, yes, some things are only going to affect women, but it doesn't mean men shouldn't have a comment on it. You know, they should have a, should have a voice on it. But it does, I think, to a certain extent, need to be... Um, yes, listen to them, I stand with them. Because you can't say how women would feel in that situation because you will never know. Um, no, not at all. Um, and when you write about things like this, um, whether it be in an article or a book, uh, what's the feedback like generally? Do you get a lot of pushback? Uh, do you get a lot of congratulations, thank you, empowerment? Um, what are, what's the feedback like? <laughs> Susan's laughing because she's seen some of my feedback. Right. So <laughs> I once, my most infamous one probably was I was commissioned to write a takedown piece on Mother Teresa. Yeah, I remember uh, that. Yeah, that, that was a day, wasn't it? Um, and it was about when she was about to be made a saint and they wanted a balanced thing because Metro are really brilliant. They're, you know, they are quite left, left the, uh, as it goes. They're owned by the Daily Mail, full, full um, disclosure. But they, they have been left alone to do their own thing. So they were pretty keen on doing this sort of stuff. And um, so they asked if I could write a pushback to Mother Teresa being made a saint. And oh boy, could I. Well, it's not hard. It's not think. difficult. so sad on it, one level. It is. It's, it's terrible. Because I, I would like to, for her to have been a wonderful person. Yeah, but... But she really, really There's wasn't. so much that wasn't good. It really wasn't. And that caused a, a real stink, actually. In fact, I got invited onto the BBC's Sunday morning TV religious show. And probably for the benefit of everybody concerned, I couldn't make it. I wasn't in the right place at the right time. Um, but that I got a lot back on. A lot of people decided I was dissing the entire Catholic Church. Some of my <laughs> favourite people are Catholics. You know, it's... We can't help it. Not that I am anymore. I laugh because people <laughs> so they're so quick to jump to conclusions, aren't they? You know, that's why I love Well, interestingly, one of my favourite retorts to that one was, and it goes back to your previous topic, um, somebody replied saying, I've looked into this person's history. They are clearly a massive fan of abortions. And I was like, where does that come from? And it, it was because I'd also written an article about Katie Price and she'd been talking about how, had she known how disabled her son had been, she may have considered a termination. And I could, I thought that was a very logical thing to have said. Because and immensely brave. Immensely I mean, brave. I mean, I have nothing in common with Katie Price, but I have nothing but her. Honestly, absolutely right. I can't right. believe I'm saying that. No, no, no. <laughs> I, spent, I spent a good week doing a tour of radio shows actually being the voice for Katie Price, standing yeah. up for her, yeah, um, yeah, for women, yeah. which I Ne it's not a position I ever thought I'd be in, but I was on LBC and all sorts with that. And because she was right, but the Catholic crew, as I like to call them, picked that up, threw it back. And I still, I can still see occasionally, and this is years back now, um, people saying about that. So, yeah, usually, and you find this, whether it's books or articles or whatever, the ones who want to reply are the ones that disagree with what you said. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd imagine you find that yourself. I found that recently with um, a woman was uh, singing a song about nice guys. Right, well, nice guys come last, last, and it's like it was all about nice guy syndrome, right? right. And I was kind of like, I, I've, I've always, <laughs> it's really difficult situation because I've always considered myself as a nice guy, but I'm a happily married guy. Don't insinuate things on people yeah, yeah. i'm just naturally nice so i was gonna be like yo i'm a nice guy and i was like no because then i sound like one of those guys yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, you're the yes but paradox. brigade aren't you <laughs> if you do that yeah. you're the yes but brigade <laughs> yeah. and i find a lot of the time it's, it, you do it's easier just to not say anything mm -hmm. it's easier just not say anything but then the trouble is you know 
I never read reviews of books. I just don't um, because nothing good ever comes of it. I did used to read the comments from Metro just because it was so hilarious. I actually went mm. went all the way. I was invited up to St Andrews in Scotland to, to give a talk to the university there and um, did a whole slide of popping up of comments that I'd had on Metro. And the students' faces, you know, were agog at the things that were being said about me. Um, but it was mostly because they want to shame you. Yeah, that's, well, like, that's, that's, that's it, isn't it? They want that's to embarrass you. As a woman, they, they want to shame you. They want to shame you. They want to make you feel embarrassed. And and I'm yeah, working yeah. on, um, I've done some talks on this and I'm working <clears> on a lot more of this about the power of shame. And, you know, mm-hmm. you know, as, as a woman, people want to put you back in your place. And it does apply to men sometimes, mm-hmm. but it's generally women. They want to put you back in your box. And if you refuse to feel sh- it's, it's perfectly fine to be ashamed about things you've done because everyone's done stuff that yeah. you're ashamed about. Yeah. We all have. Yeah, we've, no one's got, you know, gets any far in life without doing things. How long have you got? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we need the rest of this weekend. She's got to shut shop for the weekend. Um, but to okay. be shamed by somebody else, yeah, this would be great, though, wouldn't it? It'd make great I'm, I'm really enjoying myself. How long have we got today? Great radio. Um, but to be shamed is a different thing, isn't it? And oh, you'd God, know, yeah. Susan, as a woman, you know, people want to embarrass you and put you down yeah and 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 that's an ongoing thing being old fat and single you know it's, and a shopkeeper to boot because you know nothing if you're a shopkeeper well, this is the thing. it's, it's oh. less like that now but honestly some of the stuff we used to get yeah when, i can imagine um <laughs> oh hang on right i've got to go and be a shopkeeper yeah, yeah, again. go back again oh, hang on a moment hang on it's hillary <laughs> <laughs> um uh, what happened to me recently? Yeah, I was chatting to Dave Prince from the 90s revival. Great guy. Love him to bits. Mm. We were just chatting yesterday and I was talking about I'm going to Greece at the end of the month. I'm, I am at the gym. I'm trying to get healthier. I don't care about how I look. I just want to be able to run 5K and breathe. And mm. I just want to, you know, I want to survive past 50. <laughs> you know what I mean? Anyway, uh, I was like, I'm going to Greece. I don't care. Um, I don't know anybody there. Don't know anybody there, mm. so I'm gonna let it all hang out and mm. hopefully not get harpooned on a beach. Um. <laughs> oh yeah, that's that's what constantly my thing. But yeah, but but exactly that. Why should you? It doesn't matter. I'm in my fifties. You know, I'm fifty two now, nearly fifty three, and you know, and yeah, I'm I'm packing maximum density basically. I don't care. Yeah, yeah. I, I probably would care if I was on a beach in in Wales or somewhere where possible. Maybe I might know someone. I don't know, but like. And, and this is this is what I was going to sort of lean to. This is a great segue. Perfect, by the way. Talking about <laughs> Instagram and the falseness of it all. These the the apps, the 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 filters that make people and you know, it's, I mean, uh, people have been airbrushing photos for years, and uh, you know, it offers a false look at the human body, the human face, and how we all present ourselves. It does. You have to carefully curate social media and I've got pretty good at it because my favourite things are Twitter and Instagram. Everyone hates Twitter. They think it's a bin fire. It's the one I would keep if I had to get, although if Elon Musk takes it over and does what he says he's going to do, I maybe rethink it. But um, firstly, I curate everything. I, uh, I go, th- and this is what a good advice for anyone on social media. Anyone that follows me, I check them. If they're clearly a bot or they're really dodgy, I bl- block it straight away. I don't let it go because otherwise the algorithms run with it and you get more and more and more of that content. Um, and Instagram, I am careful who I follow. I follow an awful lot of people, but I'm careful who I follow. There are some that are obviously glamorous and whatever, and I, I watch it just because I follow it because of the pretty pictures or whatever. But there's a lot of pushback. You see people like Bryony Gordon, who's an amazing woman who um, makes a point of not caring about her size. She ran the marathon in, in a bar and pants, you know, and she's bigger than me and didn't give a rat's ass about it, you know. But she's but she talks about the comments she gets and it's all and it is to men as well, you know, um, but people shouldn't care. They just shouldn't care. But it's taken me until my 50s to realise that. America is a weird place because they, they look they look at men's height as a thing. And I'm like, how can you change how high you are, how tall you are? Like, they go, oh, you're short. And I'm like, oh, yeah, and? Right, well, i got a story about this. And this is funny for anyone who knows me. So don't ever judge a man literally by his height. Because when I met my current partner, he was five foot seven. And he warned me before I met him that he was shorter than me because I'm nearly five foot eight. And it was fine. I got on really well. We've been together to a couple of years now. And um, it, uh, But he got taller and we couldn't figure this out. He started getting taller. Um, <laughs> and what it was, he's been a tattoo artist for decades and he started in his teens. So he's been hunched for years and he stopped doing it five years ago full time, for four or five years ago. So he started straightening out because he'd been hunched all his life. And I started, so now he's straightened to the height he would have been. So I started dating this bloke who thought I might not date him because he was shorter than me, who is now five foot 10 or 11. 
So don't ever judge people is what I'm saying. Or if you, you know, or somebody, you might date somebody. If you're that shallow and date somebody because they're thin, they're allowed to eat cake. What if they put on three stone and enjoy it? <laughs> you know, people are people, as Depeche Mode famously sang. I know. And it's so difficult. I mean, it's the classic one. Sorry, we're sitting in a bookshop. So what people say is, oh, you mustn't judge a book by its cover. But actually people do that all the time. And actually yeah. the whole pur- purpose of the cover of a book is to attract. Of course it is, yeah. But that's its purpose. Yeah. And maybe a little bit in form, but nothing else. But the information's on the back, isn't it? The information. So you've actually got to pick it up, you've got to spend a bit of time with it, and you've got to work out whether or not it's something you're interested in. Yeah. That's what the outside is for. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Rather than that's what you base your decision upon, because... Yeah, this, but this is the thing. I wonder if it's a neurodiverse approach to people because, like, say, so I go on attractiveness levels. If I look back at the people I've dated over the years, I mean, some of them were terrible, as we know. But uh, I'm sure you weren't guys. I'm sure. You were girls. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, no, me and Susan are nodding at each other. We've got some terrible exes. Um, but Oops. but they look, and I mean, I can't speak for you, but for, for my, they all look completely different. Completely different. There's mm. some tall, there's some short, there's, you know, some are bigger, small, some do different things. Um, some are absolute losers. But um, but luckily I got over that a, a, a good while ago. But th- I wonder if that's a neurodiverse thing, that I don't tend to judge. If somebody's interesting, I've got to be able to talk to them. I've got to. I wouldn't pick, you know, it's very rare for me to pick somebody up in a bar. You know, I've met people, I tend to meet people online. Mm-hmm. So I've talked to them first. And I think that helps these days because yeah. you end up talking to people, you end up being friends with people that you would never have met. I'm a different person online for sure. I, I, yeah, I, I don't think I am. I think I'm no, the same. No, you're pretty much as you are. Yeah, because Susan knows me. I'd say I'm the same person. Well, I probably know you better from online. Yeah. I think I'm yeah, braver worked, online than I am in real life. We worked out that um, actually this is the fourth time we've met. Given in, that in person. We've been friends. Friends for years, years, <laughs> years and years. But this is the thing. Unless I'd come in and we got chatting over a book, without the internet, we wouldn't be friends. No. Well, I started following you because of your blog. Yeah. You know, I can't even remember. Sex, death, rock and roll. So, the, it's still the I name of the remember, website. I remember yeah. thinking, this woman is absolutely bonkers. I got it. <laughs> and then met me and realized, yes, she yeah. is. <laughs> the first time we met, she was loaning me a vax. Oh, yeah, I rescued you, didn't I? Because you'd had a flood and I came in yeah. with my vax. And that's yeah. the first time we'd ever met, yeah. Yeah, it was just crazy. She went, don't be silly. Of course, we've met before. I said, I really haven't. <laughs> Uh, and it just felt like we had. But yeah. that, so that's, you're going back to the, the advance, advances against disadvantages. The advantage of that is that we're sat here talking now because of the internet. Mm, of course, yeah. We are. You know, I wouldn't have <clears throat> met you. I wouldn't have met. And a lot of my friends from the internet are people from here or people from yeah. elsewhere, but I see in person a lot. Yeah. But, but they're of all ages, creeds, colours, ethnic backgrounds, everything, which I perhaps wouldn't have had growing up in Shrewsbury. No. Because whether anyone likes it or not, it is a very archetypal parochial British town. It's very white British. It is. It's better than it was 40-odd years ago, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. I can remember it in the 70s. You know, it's much, much better. But if you didn't have the internet, and it was isolating because I didn't have the internet when I was a kid here. Mm -hmm. It's isolating. That was the days where I'd walk down Pride Hill and if I saw somebody... This is a heaving metropolis. Metropolis. It's metropolis. Which was basically sort of five or six cottages in a lane and and but, a bus once a year but that's the difference now though isn't it because if kids grow up in that situation now they've yeah, still got the internet they do you know my lad is at home most of the time because his college is in telford but he's got friends one of his best friends is in singapore mm. and they chat on the phone and everything they talk yeah. all the time and and he would never have been able to do that yeah. so we have a more diverse but there is more room for people's terrible opinions i do think it's interesting though because one of the things about you and me, I suspect, is that we kind of... We may not say everything that we think. I know I'm very careful about certain topics, but if I do say something, it's because I mean it. Yes. And it's what I think. I'm not hiding. You know, I may be careful about how I say yeah. something. Yeah. Because... Um, but mostly, I um, if I put it online, on Facebook or whatever... I would say it. That, that's the thing. And I've, but not everybody does that. No, and that's the thing, isn't and I it? I think when you say some people are braver, that's maybe they're, they're bolder. Yes, they're more likely to yeah. say something they wouldn't say yeah. in person. But an awful lot of people are just... I mean, there's, there's a difference, isn't there, be- weird. between falsely brave and creating a fake account where you can be a troll. That's a different thing yeah. altogether. But me, with my own name, with, yeah, you know, the yeah, biscuit yeah. attached to me and all my stuff I've worked <laughs> together for, you know, I can walk in and wade in and say some controversial thing. And, you know... 
I've got stuff to lose, you know what I mean, by I'm making nice. the wrong comment. But do you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 um, yeah. So, but, but do you think, though, that it, and this, uh, I always find this interesting, I think it probably is still you. Yeah. Whichever version of you is you, because yeah. you're not putting a we're, fake face but also, on. Also, we're not one thing. I mean, I'm a different Susan in here mm. than I maybe am sitting in, in a bar with some friends. Yeah. Um, and that's, we're all like that, where you're different with oh, your you've kids. Oh, you've got a different personality you know, for yeah. different things. You, so it's sort of... You're not, but it's still you at the core, and oh, it's still God, Alex. Yes. Yeah, it's you at the core of it, whatever you're doing. Yeah, yeah, I have yeah. two. I love having two modes, and I, I was talking about this last night when we were talking to the tuners. And um, uh, you know, when I have, I have the Shooter Biscuit, and I had uh, Thor's Kin, Thor's Kin, my weekly show, which is live, R-rated. Come and have a drink with us, guys. If you've got nothing to do, come sit. We can be foul. We can swear. We can talk about <laughs> sex robots. We can talk oh, about I'm whatever's in. going yeah, on. I'm in. Right, I'm and that, that I like having two modes. I think it's really important to be able to blow off a bit of steam and be you because i know the, the the biscuit is family friendly i love that right that's that that's the mm. purpose so that anybody can read it it's all about the algorithms more than anything i want mm. this to be available for everybody do you know what i mean um so that but it, i can't be like that all the time i gotta be <laughs> I gotta so that's, that's interesting because the difficulty i find with my professional side of things is that most of it is technically family friendly it's straightforward writing honest stuff but most um setups would consider it unfriendly they would consider adult content because all my works are generally is about sex or death it doesn't matter what scientific intellectual level that's at it that is considered an adult topic and it shouldn't be no it shouldn't be and this is why we're here today obviously i want to find out about you and your amazing career um but like talking about these things out in the open you know they're talking about uh, sex education how it shouldn't be spoken about in kids like they, they, this is, they flip the script on what they're actually trying to do in America they're trying to prevent things rather than cure you, you know I no, they're not trying to prevent things they're trying to control things control things it's a massive difference and all that will happen because if I mean I, I can't even remember where I read the piece I, you know if this if this what was happening in America what's happening in the sort of anti-abortion lobbies was about um children then mm. there would be you know the pro-life lobby would be pro children mm. but it's not it's about preventing women from having terminations all they're doing is preventing safe terminations they're though. preventing they're not safe stopping termina- terminations but they, they want to control but, women and they want to i mean with this business now in texas where you can you know whether the prison sentence for a woman who's had a termination is longer than the guy who's committed rape there's some serious, this is not about they're also children. trying to, to yeah. trying to bring in a law against um iud coils as a contraceptive device and i think it's louisiana or one of them is is trying to um, make condoms illegal this is all yeah. true i've checked it this week because now somebody Just, said this morning and I think this is the best thing ever if stopping sex prevents pregnancy is somebody going to talk to the Virgin Mary because where and that's the basis of religion so none so Susan's right this is control it is control because otherwise you know there is no penalty for a guy who impregnates Again, another one of my favourite movies. People are going to be surprised about this. That wonderful bit in um, Legally Blonde, where she challenges the the guy who's seeking paternity of a donated sperm through right. a through a you know artificial insemination. You know, and she's sort of saying that you know why this sperm? Why now? Yeah. What about all the other sperm maybe that he's donated? Yeah. And if, you know, <laughs> he, he wasn't taking precautions during intercourse <laughs> after a one night stand, that could be deemed reckless endangerment. Yeah. And I'm thinking there's no penalty for a guy who randomly goes round. Well, America's going full Handmaid's Tale. It's just, it? it's just terrifying. Well, that seems to be where things are going at the just moment. Terrifying. The Handmaid's Tale. Um, <laughs> that's where they wanted to. Handmaid's Tale. Oh yes, of yeah. course. Yes, yes. Mm. I mean, even with these things on, I'm still deaf. <laughs> <laughs> I could turn it up. I could that's headphones, it. by the way, folks. Because oh. you're wondering what I've got yeah, on my head. Yeah, I've got a <laughs> in the middle of Penguin books. <laughs> um, has it empowered you to be able to speak about these things freely in the way you do? Yes, um, but I wouldn't say I needed empowering because I'm mouthy enough to start with. <laughs> I just was lucky enough. I think the word's probably liberating. I and guess, Susan's maybe. nodding vigorously <laughs> here, can I just say. Um, um, yes, because it's given me a platform. But as I said before, people aren't obliged to listen or read or no. whatever, but I, I am entitled to that platform. I am lucky in that an awful lot of people seem to enjoy it and find it interesting, and I do Good. try to Good. work to make it those things. Um, I don't 
think that has empowered me personally because I was empowered enough myself. Mm -hmm. I think some people need help to find it. I'm not keen on the word empowered, actually, because it kind of denotes giving somebody power. They should have it. Yeah. They're entitled to it. Inspire again, I guess, I guess right. is the right word. Inspire is a good one. I mean, maybe you've inspired a, a generation, not generation, but you know. I've inspired the, you know, a, oh my you've God. inspired this a generation. This is going on my website. The We're next generation of writers. She inspired a generation. You can put me in, instead of Clive of India in, in the square. square. Yes. Let's not start that one. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be I did, great. The, I did the right thing with Clive of India in my O level. I put him in the wrong century. <laughs> <laughs> if only. Do you think you've inspired um, uh, uh, the next generation of writings when, when it comes to women writing about these things? Or um, even guys, I, I guess. Do you know what? I'm not even... I'm by far from being the first generation of it anyway. Okay, There's people yeah. so many before me, and Susan will know this from books. Mm -hmm. Cynthia Heimel I loved um, in the, the 80s, I think she was, and people before that. Do you know what? One of my favourite writers is Jackie Collins, and everyone you know, mm. takes the mic because... I said to somebody only last night on Facebook, I would give my right arm to write the sort of trashy beach read that is just huge. And, and people... Mary Wesley. Have you read Mary no, Wesley? No, I Camomile haven't. Lawn and all those. I mean, she was in her 70s when she started writing that stuff. And you're reading them. I mean, I'm reading them. And they're very well written as well. Yeah. And it's like... When I was writing erotica and I was doing it for a publisher in Cambridge, his mother in her 80s was my biggest fan. She used to read it out to her hairdresser yeah. and he was horrified. Well, look what happened with, sorry, the unmentionable books. The Fifty Shades. Ye yeah, we touched on that while to... you were out having yeah. breakfast. I mean, those were bought, you know, and I mean... But we, when we were saying about this early on when you, when you were out... They're, they were a brilliant thing. They're now, for those who don't know, Fifty Shades of Grey started as a Twilight fan fiction. I still have a copy of that on my computer when it was originally still the names from Twilight. It was still the wow. characters right. from Twilight. And it got so... I didn't know that. Yeah, and it was on a, on the same fan fiction website as I was using. Um, and it became so massive that an Australian publisher offered to publish it. And to get around the copyright, she had to change the details. And that's what she did. Erica James, who wrote it, was at the time the producer of I Got News For You. And this was her favourite little hobby on the side, writing these fan fictions. So people slag her. But I was writing stuff at the same time. Now, if I did, my, and some of mine was awful, you know, not in a not in a horrible sexual way or whatever. It was just ridiculously cheesy because I found it funny. Now, if somebody had offered me millions for the rights to that and said, "But you've got to live with it being your name for the rest of your life," I'd have taken it because that sorts my life, my kids, everything. Mm -hmm. You know, so and and it rolled and rolled and rolled. And yeah, the the book the the books were awful. The films are awful. Everything's awful about it. But. She took what she was given, and she wrote. And also, people don't like a woman who gets that success. No, that's true. It's it's success. Well, it's they're a, not too fond of the men either. They got Dan Brown got slated for Dimitri. But I bet he appears on a damn sight more um, book festival panels than E.R. Yeah, James does. Yeah, yeah. I bet you. Yeah. I mean, I'll, money's money. I, oh, that's a really stupid thing to say. Money isn't money. Well, I think it's it's. <laughs> it, I mean, I'm. I was more concerned about it. Oh dear. I'm not one for censorship, but I'm renowned for deciding what my son could and couldn't watch or read yeah. when he was little, you know, when he became older and he was able to make his own decisions, I wasn't going to interfere with that. But there were some things that I said no to for, for reasons that I thought were quite justified given his age. Um, but given how many very young girls were reading that the sort of stuff and similar stuff thereafter, that did disturb me slightly. I the interesting say. thing is, my mum, we had a proper row about this, and she'd be furious if she hears this. My mum loaned that book to my son, Sorry, my eldest son, when she when mm. he was fifteen. She'd gone on, he'd gone on holiday with her, and he'd run out of books <laughs> to read. He'd just read a Russell Brand book, to be fair, and he'd run out of <laughs> stuff to read. And she gave him that to read. In her, in her defence, she hadn't read it herself at that point. It was just in a pile. <laughs> And I and I was horrified and I rang her up to have an absolute go at her and she said, ask him what he thinks of it. So I asked him and he said, mum, I got past the first two chapters and put it down. It was so boring. Yeah. And this was a 15-year-old boy. And I thought, well, actually, but going back to the, to, to the girls reading it, yes, absolutely. Now I've worked and, and still do in the adult retail industry to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. I've, um, I wrote a column for the um, trade magazine for UK sex shops, well, worldwide, but based in the UK for years and years and years. The magazine folded last month, sadly, and, but I've done that for years and i've worked in warehousing for 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 suppliers all sorts and i was a product reviewer for years done all this so i've had a lot to do with this sort of thing and what i do think is a really important point that susan made just then is that 
The BDSM element of E.L. James's books was not well written. It was dangerous. Do not go out and buy cable ties, kids. Do not. They're dangerous. No, You'll no, end up no. dying in the police station, the fire station being cut out of them. They're really bad. Go to a decent website. Find some good quick release stuff. Go that way. So that was dangerous. And I do th believe that was yeah. dangerous. The topic I don't think was. The topic wasn't. No. Because it's been done brilliantly in other books, you know, in, in older books. Mm. And as you said, going back centuries, people mm. wrote about this stuff and they've done it brilliantly. And that dynamic has been written about amazingly well. That, because it took, and it, not entirely E.L. James's fault, as I said, she wrote it on the, off the cuff, literally as she went along as a fan fiction thing and it, and it snowballed and she had to go with it. Somebody should have taken that over and taken some of the elements out because the ethics of that book are appalling. Mm. There's a bit where she's That's... crying and because she knows he's going to hurt her and he does it anyway and not crying in a good way, you know, no. for those who know the difference. Yeah, not yeah. crying in a good way yeah. and he does it anyway and he leaves her crying. He leaves her there crying. And that actually comes up in the remake when it goes into Twilight and uh, because that's from the New Moon bit where she gets left lying in the woods and that's a terrible thing as well. He just leaves her lying in the mm. woods and walks off mm -hmm. after saying he's trying to protect her, you know. So... Yeah, that's terrible. Is this not, is it, I mean, obviously for young girls to read this is, is, is obviously alarming, but is this not like a, a warning? This is how bad people can be? No. Well, no, I, th I think it, if it, once it becomes normalised, particularly, you know, once it becomes, you know, and they're being read and read and read and read and read, it's, it, it's the, the worry that it's, People think that's what it should be. Yeah, yeah. You know. That, and that is a thing that I know for a fact, because having worked in, in, in the, the retail and um, writing side of, of that industry, is that the sort of things that... So, so I'm trying to keep this, you know, as polite as we can, that kept <laughs> for, for birthdays and Christmas, you know, in, mm. in, in, in ye olden days, are now considered absolutely the norm, expected on the first day from teenage upwards, you know. And that is a thing. That is happening. And that is not good, because most people yeah. of my sort of age or whatever you get to an, you you do your fumbling practice as a teenager then you get to know what you like and you dislike and if you had a lucky upbringing you know and younger life you learn what you want and what you don't want and how to stand up for yourself but as susan says it's that's normalized now the actual kink thing because alex you know from reading some of my metro stuff is fine and that should be normalized everybody has had kinks since the dawn of time i've always been taught i've yeah. always read and always thought and i always believe you should never kink shame anybody if you if somebody's got something that you just don't agree with you don't have to call them out or whatever you just they there too much as long as it's not, it's not for me thanks yeah there you go the there best go. the best thing i've ever heard and i use it a lot is never yuck on someone's yum and yeah. you, you just don't <laughs> I love that which is a, it's a brilliant saying it is, it but, is. but that's a different thing knowing what you like and want to do of your own volition is very different to as Susan said being led to believe things outside your comfort zone are normal and if you take all of that in the context of what we were saying before about control of women you know and the sort of power game mm. that goes on between the between the sexes and I use that term specifically um, then you're in it's even more dangerous because mm. young girls particularly are thinking, is this what I have to do? Yeah. Is this what I'm supposed to do? Will, will he like me? But that's more? why we need to be able to talk openly Absolutely. about this stuff and I, things, even this now. I've, I love this. I think because, it's fantastic. Because I, this I, is... I, yeah, I've got another book which I think is incredibly dangerous. I enjoyed the movie to a point, but the book which I have read... <laughs> which my best friend said to me, I read that book, I don't really understand it. I said, we're too old, love, that's why. And that's Bridget Jones's diary. Now I really I like think, that. I like the book, but I think there are aspects of that that are really quite dangerous. It's It was clever. It wasn't the sex side of things, it was all that obsession with yeah. weight. And, you know, it was of its time, though, it wasn't was it? It was of its time, but it's still being read, and thankfully that doesn't quite manifest in the movie in the same way. But I, I remember reading the book and thinking, this is, as somebody who struggled with their weight, yeah. all the flame life oh I, you know I'm, I'm a big advocate for big pants so you yeah. know that was a bit niggly when i have no choice <laughs> <laughs> anybody who knows me knows that's true <laughs> but it's just so there are there are other things that are and yeah i thought this was something that we're moving away from I and mean, this is what we, we kind of brought it up earlier with, with instagram social media uh, and how we look at ourselves how we look at the human figure i thought we were moving away there was years ago they were like right you're not allowed to go and tell someone if they even if they're going for a role for a movie to lose weight you're not allowed mm -hmm. to do that anymore now it seems to be just in, it's naturally implied you know you don't even 
have to say it anymore. If you want to do, if you want to be successful on Instagram, you've got to be super, super sexy. Oh God, a friend. And it's like, no, you don't. <laughs> you really don't. No, and and it's interesting. Um, watching foreign movies, they quite often you can see the actors, whatever sort of movie they are, they haven't gone for the looks and the tits and ass type thing. But funny, a friend of mine was saying yesterday. Um, uh, this, is, this is a real life friend of mine. She was saying it on Facebook. She's an actress, and she was in some adaptations of Catherine Cookson years ago. The Dwelling Place. It was. Mm. And um, she was the main part. And, and she was saying that she would have never have got the part for this day because they informed her. And she's a stunning woman. Um, and they informed her back then in her 20s that she, she um, the original producer, I think, didn't want her because she wasn't thin enough and wasn't pretty enough. And the producer at the time insisted he died recently. And that's why she was talking about it. Um, and she said, if it wasn't for that man standing up for me, I wouldn't have had the career. She went on to be in all sorts. She's been in Peep Show, Men Behaving Badly and all sorts. And um, but she was saying, I'd never have had that career. He, and she looks amazing i've seen the still shots from from that program and she you know i think it's edward fox she was in it with and she looks absolutely spot on for that part but it, and she's thin little 20 something but she was told back then she was wasn't yeah. thin enough or pretty enough it's just looking at the whole acting i mean i endlessly watch movies i'm really quite sad but um you just and there are some actors and I, i'll use the term actress here just to mm. differentiate mm. between uh, the men and the women it's and i find it they're dreadfully sad when you see sort of top of the range actresses who've who've had massive careers when they get to a certain age they develop a certain body type it's like you can see the sternum and you can see the rib joints and the, where the clavicles mm, mm. come into show you know come mm. into collarbones come into the and you're just thinking oh my god you never ever see a guy like that. I mean, the, the men are getting pressured in Hollywood with the six packs and, you know, the whole of the. But yeah, Chris they, Hemsworth, yes, we know. <laughs> but they're actually still relatively young actors. The older guys, you know, the Oliver Platts and um, Philip Seymour Hoffman, God rest his soul. Um, they were just big fat old guys. That's yeah. why I love people like Jack Black, who's very. Well, Jack Black, I mean, it's sort of like. You know, oh, he's brilliant, and, and he's very wonderful. body positive, even though he's a big guy. He's, he's always absolutely wonderful. He's always in his pants on Instagram, yeah, yeah. I fo- but that's how to work Instagram. I follow people like Jack Black, yeah, too. And, and he is one of the ones that I met, I've met at these festivals. He's amazing, he's a big bloke, he's shorter than me. And he just ran yeah. up, screamed at my face, and sh- shouted hello, lady, in my face, and ran away. It's one of the greatest yeah. moments of my life. <laughs> he's wonderful, him. he's one of my favorites. But if you look at him in, in a long time ago when he was relatively svelte, he wasn't svelte. I don't think he's ever been svelte, the holiday with Jude Law. And Kate Winslet, you know, he's a short, chubby guy. Yeah. And yet, Cameron Diaz is a beanpole anyway, but Kate Winslet, who obviously is a little bit more curvy of the. But they have to be sticks. And I still find that so depressing, really. So depressing. It's, it's. It's particularly for the older ones, mm. older women, mm. you know, who most of them aren't going, they aren't the Meryl Streeps and the Sandra Bullocks and the Julia Robertses. Mm. They're going to struggle to get parts simply because they got past 40. But this is why I, I love what you're writing about, mm. because it's an observation of life back then. And life now is, it is what it is. And we, we need to document it. <laughs> it is complex. <laughs> and I love these discussions. I love talking about life in general. And I, I think we should, uh, there's a good uh, opportunity for a spin off here. Books that make you blush. And we can do like a book club. Yeah, let's do a book club. Yeah. That'd be amazing. In here, with some, we'll get a well, camera. Well, shock, isn't it, really? Because all sorts of books shock. I mean, I, yeah, and I'm, not for their obvious reasons. No, I'm still quite um, worried when somebody buys Watership Down, say, for a young child. Oh, gosh, yeah. Watership Down. Yeah, no, no, it's not it's, a children's story. No, it's fluffy bunnies and knitting horrific. and wearing blue jackets. I was I was chatting to some Americans about this. I was like, we had watership down. We had um, animals of farthing wood. That was a, that was another one that was just absolutely brutal. They'd be like, oh, hedgehog's just been run over. <laughs> yeah, well, if you want scary, anyone of my age will remember um, Pitkins and Hartley Hare. And Hartley Hare was like roadkill on sticks, like a little puppet. Oh, no, and and just... I swear to God, I mean, I loved him, but I had nightmares about Hartley Hare for yeah. a very long just, time. Um, it's it's a book, yeah, book that, the, yeah, you never know what. You if mean. you guys would like us to do <laughs> a books that make you blush, spin up. I've got the I've got the the ability to make it. If you want to get in touch, where can people find you if they want to speak to you? Um, to give you congratulations, feedback, ask ask more about your books. I can find you. Call me super magical at two in the morning. Um, <laughs> I am I am on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I'm just at Violet Fen on both of them. Um, my website is sexdeathrockandroll.com and it always gets caught by the system because I was foolish enough to put 
the word sex in my URL for my website. Um, and that gives you a contact form if anyone actually wants to contact. I was ner- I'm not going to lie. I was nervous about putting this. I was sat in house coffee, my laptop open. So I'm going to look for this website, but please <laughs> let it be the right one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't the wisest choice of website name, thinking back on it. But it's been there for years now, so I've just kept it. Um, yeah, so I'm Violet Fan on social media. Come and say hi um, and poke me or whatever. And... Uh, and yeah, and there's a contact form via my website and I've got a newsletter for anyone who's interested in books because I'm writing fiction now. So if anyone wants to know how that's going... Then Anybody wants to buy them. And anyone wants to buy them when they come out. Come to Penguin Books. Come to Penguin Books. My books are in the window at the moment, which is yes. marvellous. Loads but of people have been looking at that window, so uh, great display. And that one in the window, I suspect, is signed, isn't it? Those are signed, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. So, so, secrets and scandals in Regency, Regency Britain. Britain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yes. But yeah, no, come find me on social media. I don't bite. And um, Oft- pink- often, <laughs> or gent- or gently, not at all. Um, <laughs> tell people about Penguin Books. Are you are you online social media and stuff? Um, social media on Facebook, uh, Penguin Books, and Twitter at Penguin Books. Um, there's an Instagram account, but I don't run that. Somebody else, the lovely <laughs> Hannah, runs that. Um, we're on Fish Street, the the street that town forgot because it's been shut for nearly two years. Um, we'll be websiting soon. Um, yeah, just come visit here. Every we, day. I've, I've, 18, I've, 18 years in Shrewsbury this year. 18 years we've been going. Amazing. And it's a great little shop. Thank you so much for letting Thank us Thank you very much. I'm going to go and be a shopkeeper again now. <laughs> bye, <laughs> thanks. Bye. <laughs> That's probably the last time we're going to hear from Susan, but I'd love to come and uh, do this more often. I think this is a great yeah. place to sit and do interviews. Yeah, it's perfect. It really is. Uh, I love I love the aspect that we've got We've got a shop we running in the background. We're sitting in a bookshop as it, as it runs as a bookshop. Talking about we're sex, talking which is about great. Talking about sex and death. So, yeah. you know, this is my favourite morning. This is just my perfect morning. I've loved this. Thank you so much for oh, chatting Thank you me for today. having me. Um, I've got to tell people about my, my website and stuff as well. Um, this is the, which is the, the shrewsburybiscuitpodcast.co.uk. I was chatting to, to Pete White from Web Orchard, who runs that for me. Um, because we've moved to Captivate, the RSS has changed, which is all out to be adapted to the website. That's apparently all fixed now. I've got to spend a bit of time on that today. But please visit our website um, and take a look. Our content is playable off there. Um, if you want, if you don't want to use like Spotify or or Podbean, I think well, I think we still go through Podbean even without a host but itunes spotify um apple podcasts uh google google on alexa as well you're just everywhere aren't you we're everywhere we're everywhere and uh so yeah web orchard if you need a website they'll sort out the perfect website for you doesn't matter what you do whether you run a podcast got a band run an etsy got a shop web orchard will make the perfect website for you violet thank you so much i think we should definitely do this again sometime. we have to do this again yeah we've got so much more so just about clicked absolutely just yeah, clicked yeah. and it's been perfect it's a long one guys but um if you appreciated this episode please get in touch let me know uh what you liked about it what you didn't like about it i'd love to hear your feedback but yeah we'll, we'll catch you next time thank you very much thank you for having me thank you peace out <laughs>